All right, we're going to come back together. Amen. If we can gather back together again. I want to thank you for your presence today. And we want to thank you for being here. If you have a phone, if you put it on vibrate, please. That, yeah, that one, that, that particular one, that's the one. That's the one I'm talking about. Yep, that one right there. <laughs> that's okay. My man, Brother Joe, how you doing, man? Good to see you. Can I write? Good, excellent. It is indeed good to see you. Um, for those of you who do not know Renata Hill, Renata grew up in Marin City. Renata now lives up in the, the northwest of Seattle area. And, you know, we are again condolences to the family for the, the two-and-a-half-year-old grandchild. Yeah, we had heard about that just recently. So we have been holding the family up in prayer. So continue to remember the family. But it's good to see Renati here. So this is Bobby Hill's sister. My brother Bobby who comes. And for those of you who know Cool Ricky, that's the brother of Renata with his hat, super fly hair, always dressed up, even when he's walking the dog. That's Ricky. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Julius Hoshclaw, that's her brother. So we are indeed glad to have Renata here. Good. We missed y'all last week who decided to stay home in the storm. I know some of y'all said it's raining out there. And y'all stayed home and made me drive through the storm. There's a song that's called Through the Storm. <laughs> in your Bibles, if you will turn to the book of Leviticus, chapter 17, I'm going to read the whole chapter. Leviticus, chapter 17, 1 Corinthians, chapter 10, verses 20 and 21, and Ezekiel 33, 25 and 26. I'll repeat them again when I... And I get there to them. Chapter 10, it will be verses 20 and 21. And then Ezekiel 33, 25 and 26. Let's pray. Open our hearts today to the word. Open our minds. Keep our thoughts holy, pure. Help us in our struggles. Help us to recognize the preciousness of the blood of Christ. Help us to do things your way and not ours. Help us to know that one day we must meet you face to face. We honor you for who you are, the great and the mighty King. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Leviticus chapter 17, beginning at verse number 1. Be reading from the NIV. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to Aaron and his sons and to all the Israelites and say to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. 
Any Israelite who sacrifices an ox, a lamb, or a goat in the camp or outside of it instead of bringing it to the entrance to the tent of meeting to present it as an offering to the Lord in front of the tabernacle of the Lord, that man shall be considered guilty of bloodshed. He has shed blood and must be cut off from his people. This is so the Israelites will bring to the Lord the sacrifices they are now making in the open fields. They must bring them to the priest, that is, to the Lord, at the entrance to the tent of meeting, and sacrifice them as fellowship offerings. The priest is to sprinkle the blood against the altar of the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting and burn the fat as an aroma pleasing to the Lord. They must no longer offer any of their sacrifices to the goat idols or goat demons in some Bibles to whom they prostitute themselves. This is to be a lasting ordinance for them and for the generations to come. Say to them, any Israelite or any alien living among them who offers a burnt offering or sacrifice and does not bring it to the entrance to the tent of meeting to sacrifice it to the Lord, that man must be cut off from his people. Any Israelite or any alien living among them who eats any blood, I will set my face against that person who eats blood and will cut him off from his people. For the life of a creature is in the blood. And I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Therefore, I say to the Israelites, none of you may eat blood, nor, excuse me, nor may an alien living among you eat blood. Any Israelite or any alien living among you who hunts any animal or bird that may be eaten must drain out the blood and cover it with earth. Because the life of every creature is its blood. That is why I have said to the Israelites, you must not eat the blood of any creature. Because the life of every creature is its blood. Anyone who eats it must be cut off. Anyone, whether native born or alien, who eats anything found dead or torn by wild animals must wash his clothes and bathe with water and he will be ceremonially unclean till evening. Then he will be clean. But if he does not wash his clothes and bathe himself, he will be held responsible. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 20 and 21. No. But the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to, per, to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Ezekiel chapter 33. That's why I should dust off some Bibles. Ezekiel 33, 
verses 25 and 26. 30, uh, Ezekiel 33, 25. It says, Therefore say to them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, Since you eat meat with blood still in it, and look to your idols and shed blood, should you then possess the land? You rely on your sword. You do detestable things, and each of you defiles his neighbor's wife. Should you then possess the land? May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing of his word. If you're writing this down as a title, be careful how you handle the blood. Be careful how you handle the blood. There is a natural propensity in humans to do things our way. We just have a propensity to do things like we want to do it. Unless we have specific instructions, each man will do what, he, what is best in their own eyes. There is a constant battle between humans and God in whose will will be done. Submission to God and his will is often wrought by us with an initial dragging of our heels as we stubbornly hold onto our own ways. We don't like doing it God's way. We don't like when the Bible says this is what God requires. We always come up and say, Lord, but what about this? God says do this, but Lord, what about this? I feel this way. Don't my feelings count for something? We must forever keep in mind that the exodus of the children of Israel was to help train them in the laws of God when they came out of Egypt and came to Mount Sinai. They would need to know what was expected of them in their new relationship with God and when they entered the land that God was taking them to. We must never forget that our understanding must be brought into conformity to what God says. Our understanding must always be brought into conformity to what God says. Do you not know that God really does not pay much attention to what you think if it's outside of his will? God is looking to see how does your thinking process line up with the word of God. And we are constantly trying to do things our way and get God to sanction it. God says, I'll have no part of it. When he brought the children of Israel to Mount Sinai, he had to get Egypt out of them. The first thing that he did was took them out of where the problem was. They were in bondage in slavery. They were bondage, well, they were in bondage in Egypt. And they were enslaved not only to the, to the Egyptians, but they were enslaved to their own thoughts. They were always trying to run back to Egypt when there was a problem. That's what we do. How can I get back to Egypt? Egypt represents sin. Anytime you begin to long and, and to yearn for the old things in the past of your own lifestyle that brought about death, you are looking, you're looking and heading for trouble. You're looking for trouble and you're heading into trouble. Every time the Israelites kept saying to God, 
We want to go back. Moses, take us back. Did you bring us through the desert to kill us? Look at the Red Sea. We can't get through. Wasn't there enough graves in Egypt? Couldn't we have died in Egypt? Wasn't there enough food in Egypt? I'm tired of this manna. We want quail. We want meat. Tired of this manna. Whenever it comes to the point when God is not enough for us, we are in trouble. The emphasis on the blood in the passages that we read shows that life came from God and the blood is very, very special. The people would know that life is not from us but that life comes from God. That's one of the key points you need to remember. The first point that we want to consider today is you can't take what is sacred to God and use it as sin. If you're writing it down, you can't take what is sacred to God and use it as sin or for sin. Leviticus chapter 17, verses 1 through 8. There is a proclivity that we have to try to find creative ways to abuse what God says. We try to find creative ways around what God says. We, we, we create opportunities for loopholes. We look and say, what's, the, what's the, the weakest link in that chain? Is there any way I can get into what God says and, and, and break the chain so that I don't have to do exactly what he says? Constantly looking for loopholes. Constantly trying to find ways to deviate from the plan of God. Prior to the tabernacle, there was not a place necessarily set aside that we, that's known as the place of worship. When the Israelites were in Egypt, they lived there in the land of Goshen. But we don't hear that there was a place that was set aside as worship or for worship. What we find is that when they have been brought out of Egypt and into the desert and the Lord gives Moses the instructions about how the tabernacle is to be built, it is there that we began to see that there is a place that the people are to gather to honor and to worship the Lord. And so the tabernacle, the temple, was that place by which God called for the people to come and to worship him. The tabernacle was now the gathering place, and all worship was being confined to the one true God. It was God's presence in the tabernacle that would help the Israelites and the aliens that were with them know that all offerings and worship was to God who resided in the tabernacle. You see, we have this idea that we can go to the beach and put our, souls, our toes in the sand and say, I am worshiping the God for his wonderful weather. <laughs> On Sunday morning when the saints are gathered at the church, I'm enjoying what God has provided. The beautiful ocean, the beautiful waves, the beautiful crabs. Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. Why didn't you go Saturday? I had to wash clothes Saturday. 
That was not my day. Saturday I had to wash clothes. I had some errands to run, but Sunday, oh, I chose that day to worship the Lord at the beach. The Israelites could not go to the beach. They couldn't say, Moses, we're going to take a quick tour back to the Red Sea on this day, and we're going to just hang out there. No, not at the time of worship. The Lord says you are to gather at the tabernacle. If there is an offering that's to be made, it has to be brought to the tabernacle. This is what I'm teaching my people. You used to do it kind of any way that you decided, but worship must be to the one true God. Now, I'm not saying that you can't take vacations. I take vacations and take my work with me. <laughs> I'm messing with y'all. It's fine. <laughs> but there comes a time to when we must understand what is God setting up. In, Israel, in Egypt, the Israelites lived in sin. They lived surrounded by sin. Not initially when they got there, but as time goes on, went on, they began to take on the customs of the Egyptians and the land. Do you not know if you hang out with sin, you're going to start sinning? If you're not careful? Go ahead and try to keep hanging out with the people you used to hang out with. And they keep doing all the stuff. you. Like, I'm just going to bring them to the Lord. No, they're going to bring you to the dark side. <laughs> the children of Israel knew the Egyptians' way of worship. Life nor blood was valued by the Egyptians. Sacrifices must only be made to God and must be made publicly and brought to the priest who was given the instructions of how sacrifices had to be made to honor God and that the life that he gave. Do you not know that when the Lord told them that you are to bring to me, it, it, it was to deal with the problem and how the Egyptians used to worship. Amen. There was this, this demonic influence that the Egyptians had as their worship. And the Israelites had that as well. And so when they actually would, would kill something, the idea is that we must make a fellowship or give a fellowship offering to this particular animal that's killed. And so they would pour the blood and libation on the ground. And the Lord has to get this thinking out of the mind of the Israelites. So that when you're in the field, wherever you may be, don't you just kill an animal any place. Bring it to the temple if you're making a sacrifice. Chapter 17 is broken down into three particular topics if you were to look at the whole of it. This first portion as you look through basically verses 1 through 8. It talks about how the sacrifices are to be made. The sacrifices have to be brought to the Lord, the fellowship offering. When we consider, when the Lord said to Moses, Moses, I'm telling you that you tell Aaron and the people that if they have a sacrifice, they can't just offer a sacrifice any place. They must bring it to the temple. Why? Because I have already instructed the priest how 
it is to be handled. You see, when we have our own ideas of how we are to just worship God, we run into a lot of problems. We got people saying, I can stay home and watch TV and get my worship on there. We got people say, I worship in my own way in my closet. We got people that say, I, I, I worship at the barbershop. We got people coming with all types of ideas and ways of how they think worship is to be. But the Lord said, this is the prescribed way. Anybody that's making a sacrifice must bring the sacrifice to the temple. Why? Because there is a specialness about the blood. I have made provisions. I have said that I will look with favor upon the blood sacrifice. And it cannot be made in any type of way or treated any type of way. So when you offer a sacrifice, don't just do it anywhere. It must be brought to the temple. The offering that was made to the Lord, it was sprinkled also on the altar. You see, it is interesting that when the blood of the animal was sprinkled on the altar of burnt offering, it, it was a way of doing it just as God said, because the altar was holy. And when the Lord saw the blood, he would say that he is accepting the offering that is being presented. It was made holy because it was sprinkled on the altar, and God would then make atonement or would accept the offering that was then made. Whenever you bring an offering to me, make sure you follow the prescribed way. Aaron is the one that I have put as high priest. And he has a responsibility to handle the blood in a certain way. And if he doesn't, I will hold him responsible. It is your responsibility to bring your offering. It is his responsibility to offer it in the way that I've said for him to offer it. It is only in the fellowship offering that the people could actually take a part of the meat and eat. Of all the sacrifices, the fellowship offering, or the peace offering, I'll say, is the offering that allowed the people to have a part. The value of life was so precious that God had to help the Israelites know that there could not be a casualness about the blood of, or life. The care that had to be given even to animals was to help the people understand that all life is from God. They would have an appreciation for life that they didn't have before. They would know that as we treat the blood in this way, that we are recognizing that all life comes from God. And their worship would then be to the one and the only true God. All of the details that God has given, all of the help that he's trying to give his people was that they would understand that they are to value life and that the blood of the individual is, is, is the life of the individual is in the blood. When we consider today that life can just be taken like that, killings without even a thought, it is, a, it is the demonic influence of the enemy to try to make uh, unholy and to try to minimize the importance of life. Whatever God stamps his approval on, the enemy is trying to remove. Trying to add a filter to what God has said. The Egyptians, 
who would make their sacrifices to their God in the open fields. They did this as a peace offering that their God would continue to give them success as they would go out and kill or do various things. For the Israelites, the tendency to try to offer a private sacrifice to an idol would be immediately cut off by God. In other words, if they didn't do it in a prescribed way, God says they are to be cut off. Now, what does that mean? The Bible doesn't exactly say, but let me give you two things that it could mean. One is that they were to be banished from the area, from the, from the country, or from the community. Banished, and the second, they were to be killed. There is a seriousness that we must, we must understand. And it goes back to the garden, as I mentioned before, that when there was a separation between God and man, it could never be man that made it right with God. Never. When man tried, we just said a couple of weeks ago, it was on the radio too, the fig leaves, that was man's attempt to provide the covering. It couldn't work. Covering has to come only by God and from him. You go ahead if you want and put some water in your gas tank and try to go to Sacramento. <laughs> Run out of gas, go ahead. Throw some water in there. Water is good. Go ahead and put some water in your gas tank. In fact, put some diesel in your non-diesel car and see what happens. Go ahead and try to add something else and see how far you get. How do we think that we can take God's grace, his love, his blood, and somehow say, I can add something else to it. How can we get to the place where we get to a service or a funeral? And sometimes people, oh, everybody goes to heaven. And the blood hasn't been applied. I was talking to, and I have to bring it up, when I was talking to Marcel, he called me. He says, I've got a question. His heart was hurting. My grandson. Did he go to heaven? I said, Absolutely. And I brought up to him the story of David. When David's child was taken, and David says, well, his, his son wouldn't return to him, but that he would return, he would go to be where his son was. There was already in the Old Testament this hope, and they acknowledged that eternity existed, and those children that were young, that were not accountable, would go to be in the presence of God. Amen. That is the comfort that the Christian has, that we know that what God is covering is with him. When a person says that, oh, I'm going to heaven, they have tried to add water. They have tried to add diesel gasoline where only the blood could be applied. Anytime you began to add different types of solutions and try to filter and dilute it, you've got a problem. It is no longer pure. You cannot add anything to the blood. You cannot add anything to what God has already done. And any time you try to add your part, you taint what God has done. And it has to be cut off. It can't be accepted. It's got to be pure. As God says, in verse 7, in the NIV, 
It does not capture actually the more serious issue here as it should be the worship of demons or the, the goat that may have been resembling the demons. So in other words, when it said the goat god, they had a demon that was made possibly in the form of a goat. When you consider the calf that the Israelites made in the desert, and they said, Israelites, said Moses, they said to Aaron, Aaron, make us gods that brought us out of Egypt. And he quickly obeyed and listened to them. This is also what you have to keep in mind, possibly when this is being referred to here, as well as this is a problem that even Jeroboam, one of the kings, ran into. That he made an idol god in the form of a calf. It was a, it was in, uh, it was in the service of demons that these calves were oftentimes depicted representing their worship. And so when God is setting this standard, not the goat demon, as you have already been so much inclined to do, but you must understand that every offer must be made to God. God is getting the, the Egypt way of life, sin out of his people. I tell you, you can't just keep doing the same old thing and think God is going to keep blessing. He doesn't. So much, so much, and I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. I wonder if Aaron said, God, I'm trying, I'm trying. That would be it. Happened with the sons. One time. We live on God's grace and we think we're going to continue to live on God's grace and mercy. Not so. Be very careful. Because God is not going to always, it's not going to always strive with men. You see, you've got to recognize this. When God says, enough, that's it. We have to look at our our circumstances and situations that happens in our life. God speaks to our through to us through our circumstances. There's things that sometimes happen because we just won't do right. And God speaks, 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 speaks. He's trying to get your attention. The Lord is saying, "That's enough. Only in this prescribed way will I accept the offering." Point number two: There is no consumption of blood. If you look at 7 through 12, I'm going to just take it from that portion. Satan is on a rampage to attack and destroy that which is most precious, life which is in the blood. Don't think for a moment that all the euphemisms that people try to attach to abortion on demand is anything less than Satan's attack on life given by God. Don't think anything different. All the euphemisms people try to throw out there, it is still an attack on life and on the blood that God has given. We oftentimes hear abortion in person, but what about this in cases of this? There's always trying to be an exception thrown in there. But when you look at the issue in and of itself, people don't want to hear what God has to say. Life in the womb is precious. And when we begin to look at how blood is to be treated, I think we can look directly to abortion and in these passages here as well. When we come to understand God's law, we understand unequivocally that all life comes from God. When presidents, kings, and leaders are no longer repulsed by the taking of innocent life, they do not seem to understand that life comes from God and that he will be the judge. Yes, 
groups that practice drinking the blood of animals or humans do this as they believe that the life being in the blood gives them certain powers. When people consume and we hear these groups drinking, they think they're getting certain power by the consumption of blood. It is demonic. The literal drinking or consumption of blood of animals that had that had not had its blood properly drained was never sanctioned by God. We should never forget that God's laws were also given for protection of his people and for their health. Do you not know that you can have health problems by consuming blood? Leviticus 11 sets the course and understanding of the significance of the importance of blood. And in, and in Leviticus 17.11, and let me just read that real quickly here. 17.11, it says, For the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. There it is right there. It's the blood that makes atonement. When you look at this particular verse here, it is the key to the New Testament. This one verse here is the key to what God was going to do in Jesus Christ. Chapter 17 of Leviticus, verse 11, is the key to the New Testament. The life is in the blood. It opens the New Testament and it helps us see, oh, this is what God says right here. 1711. Why do you think the Lord Almighty was saying that with his son, he was pleased of all the wonderful things he's done? Even though Christ is in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Lord, if this cup can pass from me, may it pass. But nevertheless, not my will. But your will be done. I'm going to the cross because I've got to shed my blood in order to cover the sins of the people. So what God did, he took your blood, placed it on Jesus, took Jesus' blood, placed it on you, and covered you. He never sinned. Your sins, your life, he died for. The death that you should have died. All of those animals in the Old Testament was pointing to what was done on the cross, that Jesus Christ himself was the sacrificial lamb. The one time, only the one time, his blood, perfect. So why was God in the Old Testament all this time with all of these rules? Because it was symbolizing what was going to be done through Jesus Christ. We've got to understand that the blood is precious. When we sing there's power in the blood, wonders, wonder-working power, it's in the Lamb. Don't take lightly what God has done. He gave his very best, the best that he could offer so that you could be with him in eternity. And here people come and say, oh, I'm going to heaven because I've been a good person. Pardon me? Now, I've told y'all this. Your righteousness is just like filthy rags before the Lord. I'm going to just leave it there right now. Y'all know what I'm talking about. When I said before, I'm not going to go there right now. But that's what I'm going to just leave it there now. It is here that we understand, 1711, that good works can never get you to heaven. 
<laughs> never, never. So if in a funeral, in a service, or anywhere people says, I'm, I'm, they, they've made it in, and there's never any talk about the atonement of the blood. There's never ever any mention about how the Lord saved them by His blood, or that He accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. Whoever does my funeral, please be sure that you mention the blood covered. Pastor Marcus. <laughs> Don't come saying, oh, he was a good person. He did all these wonderful... No! He was covered under the blood. That's what I want to know. That's what I want you to say. <laughs> it is also here in this passage that we see something else that's very interesting. Verses 10. Any Israelite or any alien living among them who eats any blood, I will set my face against the life of the creature. Then it goes on. Any Israelite, verse 13, or any alien living among you who hunts any animal or bird, may be eaten, must drain the blood. One of the things that's interesting here, when you look at the first part of chapter 17, you will note that it's the Israelites that's mentioned only. Where the sacrifice is to be made is what I mentioned at the beginning. That next section talks about how worship is to be. It's not unto demons, it's unto God. And then third, how blood is to be treated when we consider even when there's a hunt or even when you go out to hunt food, how the blood of the animal is to be treated. And I'll say something briefly. But, but let me say this, that when the Lord mentions the alien, that is a picture of in the New Testament of even how the Gentiles have now been included in salvation. So when the Lord is talking about the Israelites in that first section, of how they are to bring their offering. And then he mentions, now, the aliens that's living among you. Even when they bring a sacrifice, they can no longer just, you know, offer that sacrifice anywhere. They got to come through the same door, to the same tabernacle, to the same temple. They got to come through Jesus Christ. It is a picture of how even in the New Testament, how God was going to save the Gentiles, us. Then when we look at the final portion, and it looks like even when there's an animal that you come upon where another animal is killed or you killed, how is the blood to be treated? There's a respect that has to be given, even with the animal. Why, why did he say cover it with the earth, the dirt? Because as I mentioned at the beginning, that there was a libation or a kind of a, a, an offering that was poured out in honor of their demon god on the ground and left exposed. And the Lord says, cover it. One, because it needs to be respected. Two, don't want anyone to be made ceremonially unclean. It also says, three, that it is not unto demons, and so we're going to treat it by covering it. We're not going to leave it exposed as a demon. You are to understand that the blood must be respected and handled in a certain way. God's people did this. This is what God is doing for his people. 
So how you come across. Now think about this. This is the blood of animals. This is the blood of animals pointing, oh my goodness, animals? We have to do all these things? Because the Lord is having to teach his people how you must come to respect and worship me. The blood. The blood. We should never trample underfoot the blood shed by Jesus Christ. We should never trample underfoot what Jesus has done. His blood is most precious. Now, you get a picture of the judgment in the Old Testament of what was happening if the priest didn't do it right. What happens when we stand before the very throne of God and the blood of Christ doesn't cover and the Lord looks and does not see the blood? And the person stood and said, look at all my good works. Look at, look at all the wonderful things that I've done. Just like chaff, burned up. Your works count for Christ when you are connected and in him. That becomes your reward. But first you've got to get in. The blood allows you in. Your works allows you to get rewards. Get that? The blood allows you into heaven and your works, which you do for the Lord, gives you your rewards. Not the opposite. Your works don't get you in. Your works can never save you. Your works can never measure up. You never hear the Lord in the Old Testament telling the Israelites, now let me make sure that you do things how you feel you should do it now. How do you feel about that? (laughs) Tell me your thoughts. Let's try to be inclusive. Tell me all of your views. And I will take them into consideration. Thus saith the Lord. I don't think so. Lord, say, Moses, come on up here. I got some things to talk to you about on this mountain. Bring some more tablets that you broke. I'm writing the Ten Commandments on those. Bring them on up and I'm going to talk to you. Moses said, Lord, wait a minute. I don't know about this one here. This law right here? I don't think so. Worship only one God? Hey, Lord, I... mm, mm, No. I can't bear false witness. I can't lie. Lord, we're going to have to talk about that one. Small one. There was no discussion. Take these laws and teach them to my people. Measure up. I'm going to end on this point. I don't see why we think that we can at times try to get by on less than what God says. Now, if you drive a car, Rondell, Rondell got a nice car. Got that heavy sounding engine. Rondell, if you try to drive your car on three wheels, what's going to happen? <laughs> You're going to be gangster leaning. <laughs> you need four tires. And even if you get one of those little spares when you get it, you get a flat tire, that little funny looking thing, look like, like a, they said, don't look like a little tricycle wheel. You don't, you don't even want that on your car too long. 
He said, no, I've got to give me another tire. Mm-mm. For if, if, if we have to have a certain way of conduct and have a certain way of things here, why do we think it's less for God? Why do we think we can bring an offering to God and make it less than? I, I want us to, be, to, to get to the point to where we say, God, I give you my best. You deserve the best, Lord. I give you my all. Would you stand to your feet? Amen. Couldn't even get to the other passages that I dealt with today, but if you had a chance to hear them. When we consider the Lord and how he's lining everything out, isn't it wonderful that he had the perfect plan and the only thing we got to do is fall in line and obey and just do what he says? And he takes care of the results. He takes care of everything. And you get blessed for obeying? Oh, man, that's a deal that nobody should want to pass up. When the Lord says, I'm going to bless you just for obeying, I will give you life for just doing it how I said to do it and accepting what I've already done. All you've got to do is accept? Oh, my goodness, that's a great deal. Today, choose life, not death. This week, I want you to reread for yourself Leviticus chapter 17. Meditate on it. I'm going to be moving on, dealing with some things next, uh, next time, but I want you to go back and read it again for yourself. And look at the preciousness of the blood. God's blood, God's worship can never be joined with that which is demonic. It must be holy unto him. Today, Lord, we are grateful to you for your Wonderful word. We thank you today that you have given us life. That you are life. As we leave this place today, may we always remember that it's the Lord who has completed everything that we need. You've already done it. And you just say, would you accept what I've already done? And do it as I've called you to do it. We'll do it for your honor and glory. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you later this week.